Turn your Bible to 2 Kings chapter 7 in the Old Testament. 2 Kings chapter 7. Appreciate your opening your Bible and hearing those pages rustling. Everyone finding in your Bible that passage of Scripture. 2 Kings chapter 7, beginning with verse 1. 2 Kings chapter 7, beginning with verse 1. Now may we pray together. Our Father, we thank Thee for the privilege of being in the house of God today. It's a joy to come into the presence of the Lord. And we feel the expression that the psalmist had years ago, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. We pray that every one of us when we leave today will be able to say, I'm glad I went to church. We pray thou wilt feed the hungry spiritually. Touch those who have had discouragements and setbacks in their spiritual pilgrimage. Bless everyone who is physically ill today who are on our hearts. Even as we pray, many in this congregation and by radio are mentioning others to thee, Father, that need our concern and your touch. And now we pray that the Spirit of the Lord will bring quickness. Someone who has never been saved will come to Christ. This will be a day of victory. In Jesus' name, amen. Reading from 2 Kings chapter 7, beginning with verse 1. Then Elisha said, now remember that Elisha is the prophet who took Elijah's place. Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Then a Lord on whose hand the king leaned, answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shall not eat of it. And there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate, and they said one to another, Why sit we here until we die? If we say we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. Now therefore come, let us fall into the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. And they rose up in the twilight to go unto the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the edge of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight and left their tents and their horses and their asses, even the camp as it was, and fled for their life. When these lepers came to the edge of the camp, they went in unto one tent and did eat and drink and carried from there silver and gold and raiment and went and hid it and came again and entered into another tent and carried there from there also and went and hid it. Then they said one to another, 
we do not well. This day is a day of good tidings. We hold our peace. If we tarry till the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore come that we may go and tell the king's household. So they came and called unto the porter of the city, and they told them, saying, We came to the camp of the Syrians, and behold, there was no man there, neither voice of man, but horses tied and asses tied and the tents as they were. And he called the porters, and they told it to the king's house within. And the king arose in the night and said unto the servants, I will now show you what the Syrians have done to us. They know that we're hungry. Therefore, are they gone out of the camp to hide themselves in the field, saying, When they come out of the city, we shall catch them alive and get, them, get into the city. And one of his servants answered and said, Let some take, I pray thee, five of the horses that remain, which are left in the city. Behold, they are all in the multitude of Israel that are left in it. Behold, I say, there are even, uh, they are even as all the multitude of the Israelites that are consumed, and let us send and see. They took therefore two chariots, horses, and the king sent after uh, the host of the Syrians, saying, Go and see. And they went after them under the Jordan, and lo, all the way was full of garments and vessels which the Syrians had cast away in their haste. And the messengers returned and told the king, and the people went out and spoiled the tents of the Syrians, so a measure of fine flour was sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel, according to the word of the Lord. And the king appointed the Lord on whose hand he leaned to have the charge of the gate. And the people trod upon him in the gate, and he died, as the man of God had said, who spoke when the king came down to him. And it came to pass, as the man of God had spoken to the king, saying, Two measures of barley for a shekel, and a measure of fine flour for a shekel shall be tomorrow about this time in the gate of Samaria. And that Lord answered the man of God and said, Now behold, if the Lord should make windows in heaven, might such a thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but thou shalt not eat of it. And so it fell out unto him, for the people trod upon him in the gate, and he died. Now those 20 verses were very important to read because we need to get the whole story of what's going on here. The host of Syria was encamping against Israel and the city of Samaria was under siege and there was such siege that everything in the city that they had to eat was eaten up and the animals were about to perish because they were hungry all the food was given to the people and the siege was so severe that the people of God felt like they were going to perish. Now, you know there was a law concerning the leprous people. They had to stay outside the camp. They couldn't be in the city. So there were some leprous men outside the camp of Israel, outside the city. And they were in a dilemma. They said, now, if we stay here, we're going to die. If we try to get into the city of Samaria, they don't have any food, and they'll just, we'll die there too. Probably these Syrians have some food. Let's just go to them. We'll fall into their hands. If we die, we die. If we live, maybe they'll let us live. In other words, they got desperate. They didn't know what to do. And so they decided to go into the camp of Syria. 
And when they went to the camp, they were shocked. There was nobody there. All the Syrians were gone. All their army people were gone. Their, their horses were gone. But they left behind all their food and all their supplies. So they went into one tent, ate until their heart was content, took some gold and some other things and hid it. They went into another tent, ate some more, took it over there and hid the stuff that they wanted to hide. And then one of them said, wait a minute, we're not doing right. All of our friends and our brothers and all of our camp of Israel over there starving to death. And here we are gorging. Let's go over and tell them. And so they went over and told them the king didn't believe it. Now in the meantime, Elisha, the prophet, had been a spokesman for God in the city of Samaria. And he had said, tomorrow about this time, there's going to be plenty of bread, going to be plenty of supplies. And one of the men that was in charge of things said, aha, God would have to make a window in heaven, just drop it down for that to be true. I don't believe you. Elisha said, uh, it's all right, you'll live to see it, but you won't eat any of the food. And when the king learned that the camp of Syria was empty, he caused the man who had said those words to be in charge of the gate. And he said, now you stand at the gate, and when all the people go into the land, into the camp of Syria, you sort of guide them. And when the word got out in Samaria that there was plenty of food and plenty of supplies over in that camp, they ran out the gate and they trampled that man to death, the man who had doubted the word of God. Why sit we here till we die? That's what those Israeli leprous men said. Now we stand sort of like that today. Sometimes we get ourselves in such a pickle that we don't know what to do. If we just stand still, we're not going to get anywhere. We just go backwards and backwards and probably die. If we try to go back, that's impossible. If we try to go forward, we risk failure. It may not work. The armies may be too hard for us. The journey may be too tough for us. What shall we do? We can learn a lot from those Israeli leprous men who said, why stand we here or sit we here till we die? Now you think of that for a few minutes. Michigan is a good parable for us. For years and years and years, Michigan was divided. We have some friends here from Michigan this morning. I used to live in Michigan. Upper Michigan and Lower Michigan were divided. I guess you had to go by boat to get to, from one to the other. You had to go way around another land way. And so they decided to build the Mackinac Bridge. Now when they decided to build the Mackinac Bridge, they said, I don't think we can do it. That's too much. It's going to cost too much. It'll be impossible to span all the way from here to there. We just can't do it. Impossible to do it. It was a five-mile journey across that water. 
Well, now listen. The length they would have to span five miles. That's pretty much on water. You can't even see across there sometimes. The length of the suspension would have to be one and three quarters miles. The center span would, be have, would have to be three-fourths of a mile long. There would be 42,000 miles of cable used in that bridge. The tower piers would go down 210 feet below the water and tower up 552 feet above the water. The bridge itself would be 150 feet over the water. It would cost $99,800,000 to build that bridge. Some of them said, we can't do it. And they argued about it and thought about it and fussed about it and talked about it for several years. Finally, the daring group in charge in Michigan said, we're going to do it. If it's impossible, we're going to attempt the impossible. If it doesn't work, it just won't work. But we believe we can do it. They got the best engineers and they put it all together. $99 million later and about 20 lives later, that bridge was built. You drive to Michigan today, you can go from one Michigan to the other Michigan over the Mackinac Bridge. They did the impossible. Why sit we here till we die? I want us to think about that for a few minutes as we think about some things in our lives that we sometimes face. Why sit we here till we die in our disappointments? Everybody in this room and those who listen by radio have had some disappointments that have come to you. You've been disappointed in people. You've been disappointed in some plans that went awry. You've been disappointed in some financial ventures that didn't work out. You've been disappointed in the way the law relates to our lives sometimes. I had a man tell me this week, Life just isn't fair. I won't ask you to raise your hand, but I'm sure many of us have experienced that sometimes. Life isn't fair. I think of Moses sometimes. Moses is called the meek man of the Old Testament. If you study between the lines, you'll notice how disappointed he was in his sons. His sons didn't care anything about him, didn't want to get close to him. Called him sort of a, I guess they called him, I'm, this is not what the scripture says, but I suppose they said he's an old fuddy-duddy. All he does is go to church all the time, go up in that Mount Sinai and meet with God all the time. That's not much fun, and all, it's all he thinks about all the time. But there was a young man that did care about Moses. His name was Joshua, Amen. called the son of Nun. And he got as close to Moses as he could. And Moses had a lot of disappointments in his life. His wife sometimes didn't understand him. You read about Zipporah. But Moses kept on going. There came a time in his life when he just got down. He said, Lord, I just want to die. 
I want to die. God said, get up from there. You, why sit you here till you die? You get up and go. I'm going to take care of things. And God used Moses to be a legend Man. in his own time and a legend down through the years. Why sit we here till we die in our disappointments? Why sit we here till we die in our failures? There's almost not, there's not one of us that hasn't failed somewhere along the line. We just failed ourselves. We failed others. We failed in the ventures that we've set forth. We failed, failed in, our, in our goals that we'd planned. And we just failed. Sometimes we get defeated and we say, we're just going to sit down. Not do anymore. Just, just quit. Why sit we here till we die? But when we get going and we start going for God again and the Lord uses us, there's joy and we can say with Mike and Ronnie Joel, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. It was worthwhile going on and on for God. Well, why sit we here in our degree of dedication? You know, some people are content to just have a little tiny bit of commitment to God. Just a little bit. Not a, not a great deal, just a little bit. We have enough faith to get us to heaven, but not enough faith to bring heaven to earth. We have enough faith to trust Jesus to forgive our sins, but we don't seem to have enough faith to trust him for day-by-day -day living. And so we get all caught up in the things of the world. A poet wrote, the world is too much with us, getting and spending and so on. And in our dedication, we have just a thimble full when God wants us to get a great big cup. Fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. And God wants to fill it. In Romans chapter 12, the Holy Spirit led Paul to say, after you've given your heart to Jesus, after Romans chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, after all the wonderful grace of God, then I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body, a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know, God doesn't want our old heart. He wants to give us a new heart. Amen. And when he gives us a new heart, and he comes into our heart, he says, now, what I want is your body. I want your ears and your eyes and your tongue and your feet and your hands. I want your life placed on the altar. And when we do that, there's a joy unspeakable and full of glory. Why sit we here in our dedication? Let's go on with God. In Titus chapter 2, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live righteously and godly and soberly in this present world, looking for the glorious appearing of the great God and our Father Jesus Christ. Now, you think of what the grace of God that came into our hearts teaches us. It teaches us to deny some things and to add some things to our lives. Why sit we here till we die? Now again, why sit we here till we die in our daring faith? 
Peter was in the boat. He saw Jesus walking on the water. He looked up and he said, now, Lord, if that's really, if that's really you, bid me to come to you. And Jesus said, come, Peter, come. You see, the sky's the limit when you walk in faith. And Peter got out of the boat, he began to walk on the water to the Lord, and then he looked down at the water and he saw that he was doing something nobody had ever done before, and he began to sink. When you get your eyes off Jesus, you begin to sink. When we get it on the problem, we get it on the things, but when we keep our eye on Jesus, everything is possible, nothing is impossible. Peter began to sing and he cried out, Lord, save me! And the Lord reached out and just saved Peter. Sometimes that's where we are. We're in the boat. And we know where God wants us to go. We, we know what God is. We know who God is. We know what his direction is. And as long as we keep our eyes on him, everything's all right. Nothing is impossible when you keep your trust in him. So many times we look down and look around. This church has been a church of faith. Man. Faith, faith. Have faith in God. Nothing is impossible when faith is there. Amen. In 1955, just a handful of people met to form the nucleus of this church. One of the men mortgaged his house and put a down payment on the house over on Jones Avenue. And the little handful of people began to meet and some in this room today were there. They met in that house for 14 months. They gave their tithes and offerings and were able to keep the payments up on the house. Then somebody said, well, now look, we have to have a permanent place. We can't just keep on meeting at a house. I won't tell you, the fellowship was good in that house. I've heard all kinds of stories about it and legends about it and how the rain would come in and they'd put cans down to catch the rain. They'd go up and patch the roof and so on. And wonderful fellowship, but then they decided that uh, they had to uh, have someplace else to meet. Well, they looked at a place over here on the corner of Cabell and Roselawn. thought they had it. It slipped through their fingers. And then they came over here and found a sinkhole. They said, don't talk about this property like that. Well, that's what it was. And a big cave out in the back. And some springs down underneath. If you ever wonder where that water comes from, part of it comes from an underneath spring. Maybe one part of the Lost River, I don't know. When it rains, you'd think we have a river down there sometimes. And they bought this property, but we didn't have any money. There was about 380 feet or 400 feet of frontage. We bought it 100 feet at a time. Took an option on the next piece. Bought 100 feet over there. Then a little bit later, bought another 100 feet. Had an option on all of it, and then another 100 feet, and then another 100 feet. Bought this property like that. And the people sacrificed and sacrificed and sacrificed and sacrificed and built that building over there, some of it with, our, with their own hands. 
That was in 1957. And then God began to bless the work. And by 1959, we had to build again. Build the flat roof building. Again, didn't have any money at all, nothing. Had $50. Now, you won't believe that, it had $50. And we had a daring committee that said, well, if God's telling us to do it, we'd better do it. And so, called the people who dig, the diggers, you know, those big derricks and so on, they came out here. First thing they did is hit a water main, burst the water. Water was all over the place. We announced on the radio, the anchored broadcast had started. Incidentally, this is Radio Sunday. We've been on the anchored broadcast on Sunday morning for 35 years today. And we've been on teen time this month 31 years, every Sunday, Sunday after Sunday. A lady heard on the radio that we were about the church and that we were building, so she drove by here. And she called me on the phone the next day and she said, could you use $25,000? <laughs> oh, I said, we sure could. <laughs> but I, I've got to talk to our committee and I want to meet with you. And so we met with some of the men and, and uh, there was $25,000 available. When did it come? It came when by faith, those men said, let's get going, let's do it. Use the $50 we've got and let's get at it. A few years later, 1962, we built this Tabernacle Auditorium. Again, had no money at all, had to float a bond issue and put money that we owed together and so on and built this. God blessed every step of the way. Moved in here, thanked the Lord. I think at the time this was the most beautiful building in Bowling Green. That may have been just, just subjective, but I really thought that. I thought, matter of fact, that bulletin they put out on, the, on Bowling Green, they had a picture of this church in it. Man. It was a beautiful building, still is, lovely. I thank God for it. Well, <clears throat> that was 62. We needed to build again. But our faith level began to go down a little bit. And during those years, we'd say, we need to build. We need to build, but well, we've got a nice auditorium. Let's fill it up first. Let's get every seat crammed and filled. Let's put chairs in the aisles and so on. <clears throat> well, that didn't happen. Finally, in 1972, there was a band of men of faith who said, well, let's go on and build. We need that children's wing over there. So we built the children's wing. Again, didn't have any money. Had to borrow all the money to do it. And, and borrowed that money and built that children's wing. And that was educational space, not auditorium space, educational space. And the first Sunday when we had dedication day, we had a thousand in Sunday school. Man. I believe God just rewarded the faith. Man. Filled the building up. The building was not filled by the auditorium. The building was filled as we provided educational space. And then we went on for several years, averaging large numbers in Sunday school. A committee was appointed to say, well, we need to do something else. What do we do next? This work must go forward. We cannot stand still. We must go forward. The committee studied it and studied it and studied it. 
We had three special committees to study. And those committees all came up. They were outside committees. One was a Sunday school board. One was a, a, two professional groups that we asked to study this work. And they all said, you're doing more than you can do on this piece of property, far more than you can do. I guess we doubted that. We believed it and yet we doubted it because we kept on up here. And then, then, you never stand still. You never stand still. 21 years has gone by. And a daring committee has brought a recommendation to the church that we buy some property to start another work where the work can grow, have room to grow at another location. Why sit we here till we die? Why sit we here until we like an elevator going down, 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 when God says his work must always go forward? And as we, by faith, move out in faith, God will bless. For years, we've had the living Christmas tree. <laughs> and year after year after year after year, we go get cedar out in the country and bring it in here and go over and dip it in some fire people's dip. They told us we had to dip, dip it before we could put it in here. And we get our hands all briared up and the people that had aller allergies to cedar would say, I can't sing in the choir and so on. And we put that cedar up here year after year and all of us would hold our breath praying, Lord, don't let it get on fire till the Christmas tree comes down. And God blessed. And all along, we were saying, well, we ought to buy some artificial cedar and put it on that tree because that's the way to do it. it would be, you could use it every year and you would save all that time and that energy and so on and it would be just best and wise. But we said, well, it's too expensive. We can't spend that much money on it. Find Bob, finally, Bob Brown one day said, well, we're going to order it. Let's get it. Man. He just went out and decided we're going to order it. Man. And we ordered it. Years ago, we didn't have any drinking fountain in the church. I had a business meeting one time. Brought up the idea of getting a drinking fountain. And they said, uh, can we afford it? Can we afford it? And we must have discussed that an hour. Finally decided we couldn't afford it. Well, we just uh, waited and waited and waited and waited. One day, Lee Kennedy and I were out. And we said, Lee, and I didn't have to persuade him. He said, we need a drinking fountain. We just went over and bought a drinking fountain. Man. Put it in, came back and said, now church, here's what it costs, let's pay for it. And the church paid for it. Man. What am I saying? Why sit we here till we die? We must go forward by faith. Can we afford it? No. Can we afford not to? No. Remember those leprous Syrians, those leprous Israelis standing at the gate? They were dying. They had no money. They had no food. And go back to Samaria, why there's no food over there. And beside that, they don't want the lepers inside the gate. Let's go over to the gates of the Syrians. It may be we'll die. So what? We're going to die anyway. Let's go and see if they will let us live. And they went in and found God had already prepared the camp for Israel. All the supplies they needed were there, but they were waiting 
until somebody had the faith to go over there and find them. Why sit we here till we die? Faith is the victory. Encamped along the hills of light, ye Christian soldiers, rise and press the battle ere the night shall veil the glowing skies. Faith is the victory. The same thing is true in our personal lives in relationship to God. Only when we come to Jesus Christ by faith and trust Him as our Savior and ask Him to come into our hearts and be our personal Savior, then He comes in and things are different. Things are different. Sometimes at teen time we sing, there's been a great change since I've been born again. Things are different now since I've been born again. And when we trust Jesus as our Savior, our whole vision takes on something new. Before we're saved, we're scared. I remember before I gave my heart to Christ, the preacher had come to see me. He wanted me to be saved. I wanted to be saved, but I was afraid. I'd go to the church and I'd be afraid of the people, all those people, and, and they wore great big hats in those days. Ladies wore big, big white hats. And uh, you know how that we do and how we sit around. If you just watch somebody, it, we ought to have hat Sunday. Everybody wear a hat and you'd find out what I'm talking about. Here's what you do. You move, you move all through the service. And those hats would move around. And I would sit behind somebody with a hat on. And when they'd move, I'd move. Because I didn't want the preacher to see me. I was hiding. And they would move, they'd move, I'd hide again. I was hiding behind somebody's hat. I was afraid. And that night when I gave my heart to Christ, the fears went away. Man. Jesus came in and he changed my life. He's done the same thing for you. And beloved, if you're here today and you're not saved, Jesus will come into your life and the fears will go away and there'll be something brand new in your life. And you don't have to be afraid anymore. You don't have to run anymore. You don't have to be afraid and flee. You don't have to, you don't have to be scared to death. God delivers you from fear. One of the great themes of this book is fear not. Fear not. Let's bow together in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for these great truths. We pray that every one of us today will be able to say, why sit we here till we die? We must get up and go for Jesus' sake and do what God wants us to do. May the Holy Spirit move in every heart and have his way. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, please.